again here. We had some technical difficulties. That's why we're coming on late. But take two here on Locker Room as we discuss the Champions League, the EPL games happening this midweek, and a little bit of Europa League. This show on the Soccer Gambling Podcast and Locker Room is brought to you by BetQL. BetQL is your home for the info you need to make yourself a smarter, better. NBA, college basketball, and the NHL, they've got you covered. Just go to betql.com and use a promo code SGP30. That's betql.com and a promo code SGP30 for 30% off. We're also brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is the home for avid sports bettors, providing insights, analysis, and free betting picks. Better Than Vegas is like YouTube for sports betting. Make sure to subscribe to our page so you never miss a pick. Go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. And finally, we're also brought to, you by, brought to you by Better Edge. Better Edge is a stock exchange for sports bets, allowing you to buy and sell betting positions like a stock market. The best part is it allows you to bet with no VIG. That's right, no VIG betting that's legal in 40 states. Sign up at betteredge.com and use the promo code SGP for a free $10 bet. That's betteredge, spelled B-E-T-T-O-R, edge.com and the promo code SGP. So as I already said, coming on a little bit later than advertised because I had a little bit of technical difficulties. Also put the show back an hour initially because I was uh, driving back through London traffic. Amazingly, there's London traffic in a full tier four lockdown. It seems like the roads will never, ever be clear in London. So the Champions League stuff. I already did two pretty extensive Champions League shows where I looked at the uh, the futures markets, and I also looked at the games that are happening today, the first legs between um, Liverpool and RB Leipzig. We looked at Barcelona hosting PSG. We also looked at tomorrow's games as well. So if you guys have any thoughts on those podcasts or if you've had a chance to listen to them, we'll talk about it. The general gist was is that I feel Barcelona are in a strong position today to, to get a first leg lead and possibly to qualify with the absence of Neymar. They also come into this as the more consistent team. There were loads and loads. There was lots and lots of statistical data to support that. But sometimes statistical data doesn't really tell you where PSG or Barcelona are at. Barcelona weren't having a... Um, a terrible run in the Champions League. They looked like they were going to win the group and all of a sudden lost 3-0 to Juve. And that's why they ended up in second place on what's put them against PSG. Whereas PSG didn't look like they were going to win their group. They were lucky to qualify. Man United and Leipzig did look like the strongest teams in that group. They both actually beat PSG, but PSG put a run together at the end and managed to go through as the group winners. So, Whereas Barcelona looked like worthy group winners at one point who had one bad game. PSG had a few bad games, but still managed to win this group and come into this situation as the group winners. Looking at the season, PSG should be winning their league comfortably, but they haven't They haven't uh, put their, their stamp down on it so far as they usually would. And uh, they sit behind Lille. So usually they come into the Champions League in a good situation with their league automatically won and they can solely focus on it. That doesn't seem to be the case this season. They are having to do a lot of work to win League One this season. And they come into the Champions League here without Neymar, which is going to be a big disadvantage. The data here says Barcelona have won seven of their last eight competitive games. PSG have lost four of their last five meetings with Barca. And both teams have scored in six of the last eight ties between these two. Messi, as we found, his form scoring nine goals in his last nine competitive appearances. So for me, I think that's going to be key. If Barcelona are going to qualify here from this from this tie and both teams are at 10 to 11, pick them, minus 110, minus 110. Barcelona, I think, are going to need to win the first leg. I don't like Barcelona to go through here with or without Messi 
uh, with, or with, with or without Neymar, sorry, playing for PSG if Barcelona don't get it done here at the first leg. This is a fortress, although it is a place where they have struggled against big teams this season. When you look at the results against Juve, you look at the home defeat against Real Madrid, you look at last season when they played a big team in Bayern Munich, they got whooped 8-2. So I don't know whether this defence is able to cope with a PSG even without Neymar, which is why I like the trend of both teams scoring to continue here. But I still think Barcelona will be able to go to Paris with the win, which should put them in a good position to qualify. But as Barcelona are even money here, and it's a 10-11, 10-11 pick, and it's essential for Barca to win at the new camp in order to qualify, I will take the money line here today on Barca. In the other game, I spoke about how it was a massive disadvantage for Leipzig to have to play their home game in Budapest. But at the moment, with Liverpool's form, you still wouldn't take him here in this spot, even though it's a neutral field. I don't like Liverpool here. I especially don't like him as a favourite. And I was leaning on RB Leipzig to be able to avoid a defeat today and to give themselves a chance to qualify because Anfield is no longer the fortress it was. And that's, that's, that's come quick. Life moves fast. I mean, Liverpool were absolutely dominant there. They hadn't lost there for nearly four years. And now they've lost three games in a row. And whereas it's probably acceptable for that run to come to an end when you get beaten by Manchester City, especially when your goalkeeper is making big mistakes and um, that can happen. It's not really necessarily a reflection of the, of the team when individual errors cost you games. But look, they lost to Brighton. They didn't score. They lost to Burnley. They didn't score. So... These are very, very bad and telling results, as was the result against Leicester at the weekend, the way Liverpool capitulated in a 10-minute period and handed Leicester the game. So there's big, big problems here. Over on the podcast, I spoke at length about the signing of Thiago and how it's a big disruption to Liverpool, how he doesn't fit into the system. How Jurgen Klopp likes frenetic players who like to press and win the ball high up the pitch and like to move their attacks forward if they get a chance to counter. And how, how Thiago is a ball player in midfield who likes to hold on to the ball in a, in a possession-based team. And he played in a lot of possession-based teams because Barcelona dominated about 17 of the teams in La Liga when they played him. And Bayern Munich dominated the entire league with the exception of Borussia Dortmund. So this guy has had a stroll in the park, much like Pep Guardiola's managerial career when he was at Barcelona and Bayern Munich. He was able to win trophy after trophy after trophy, accompanied, of course, by Messi, because it was just very, very easy. You expected him to do that. A lot of plaudits were rained on top of Guardiola. But I think the expectation was to win La Liga Barca. The expectation was to win Champions League. The expectation was to win the league with Bayern. The expectation was to win a Champions League with Bayern Munich, but he didn't do that. And that's why I think his term at Bayern Munich was, was a failure. But bringing that back round to this particular player, he's had it very, very easy where he's been able to be a baller in midfield. He has been able to take 50 touches in midfield before he plays off a pass. And and that isn't the case here at Liverpool in, in terms of the way they play stylistically. And it's certainly not the case in the Premier League. You're not going to get that kind of time. And I just think it's a very, very bad fit. I thought that immediately. Uh, Man United were linked to this player and I didn't want Man United to sign him. And he does seem to be a part of the problem. And I say a part of the problem because look, this team are missing their entire defence and they're reliant on their centre-backs to be top quality. And Gomez and Van Dijk were top quality. They're relying on their goalkeeper not to have the bad days he's having at the moment. And everything seems to have fallen apart because the defenders have gone missing. The goalkeeper's playing bad. And Alisson, uh, sorry, Alexander-Arnold and Robertson aren't going to change the way they play. That It worked so well for them for years. All of a sudden, you can't tell them to be different fullbacks to what's worked for over the last two seasons when you've won the league and the Champions League. They're still going to push up and try and win the ball up high up the pitch. But 
when the ball comes loose, you have a midfield there that's weak because Thiago's not a player who can get up and down. And then once you get past that defensive line and those holding midfielders, you're then faced with Jordan Henderson playing at centre-back, either playing alongside a youth team player or playing with a new signing that they only signed in the January window who's not used to the league, the pace or anything. So that is a massive handicap and that primarily is the problem for Liverpool. And I don't see that going away whether they play this game at Anfield, whether they play this game at Leipzig, whether they play this game at Budapest or whether they play this game on fucking Mars. Like it doesn't make a difference. Like you're not going to overcome the fact that your team is built to have world-class centre-backs that cover for your full-backs pressing up the pitch and good holding midfielders that win the ball back for you and win the midfield battles and allow the, the likes of Salah, Mane, Alexander, Arnold, Robertson, Firmino, all to press defenders high up the pitch. But when the ball breaks loose, you are caught in four or five, four and five or two and three situations and you're outnumbered and Leipzig have got the players to take advantage of that. So things have been a difficult tie here for Liverpool and I wouldn't be touching them here as four to 11 favourites here to qualify. So that's really the, the main games today, just to reiterate a lot of what I said over on the podcast. Moving on to tomorrow's game. Um, I think Sevilla at 40 to 1, way too big in this competition, given their form at the moment. They come into this game with Borussia Dortmund having won all of their last nine. They're obviously the Europa League winners from last season, so they know how to play in Europe. Whereas Dortmund um, have come into this in a very bad run of form. They're struggling to even get into the top four in Germany. There is no title race in the Bundesliga this season. But one thing I will say is um, look at the over here because it's 10 to 11, yes, uh, for the over 2.5 and 10 to 11 for the under 2.5. The over 2.5 has cashed in 11 of Dortmund's last 14 games. Dortmund have scored at least once, once in all of their last 28 games. So, Despite the fact that they aren't in the best of form, they are still scoring goals. Their defence just happens to be buttermilk. So I think both teams will be able to find a net here. Dortmund should be able to continue their run, but I wouldn't be surprised to see this Sevilla team score a couple of goals and take a win into that second leg in Dortmund. The other game, I think, significantly favours Juve. Even though Juve haven't been in the best of form the last couple of games, they haven't been able to get into the title race. It does look like Inter are going to take that. Porto themselves have only won two of the last six, drawing four in a row. But both these teams were only beaten once each in qualifying for this competition. So I think they could play out a draw here, which would be to Juve's advantage. I also wouldn't be surprised to see both teams finding a net. This Juve team don't defend as well as Juve teams in the past, giving just one clean sheet in the last five. Whereas Porto have scored at least once in 16 of their last 18 Champions League games. So this will be a tough game for Juve. They'll be happy to come away with a draw. And I think they're catching Porto at the right time. Um, they themselves haven't won in two, but they have won four of the last six. Uh, some of those came in the cup, though. It wasn't uh, league wins that they got. And um, yeah, they are struggling this season under Pirlo to find an identity and to get themselves into the league title race. I think they'll be fully, fully focused here on the Champions League. Cristiano Ronaldo would love nothing more than to win this Champions and look, let's be honest, it is wide open. I actually, this year, um, on, the, on the podcast, picked City to win it. And I never picked City to win it. I just think Guardiola is unreliable. I think he's had it very, very easy. I think his failure to win the Champions League with Bayern Munich was massively telling. And uh, I just didn't see a situation where he would win it at City. But I also didn't see a situation where they would tighten up this back line the way they have. And with them, they're managing to cope without De Bruyne. Imagine what they're going to be like when De Bruyne comes back and Sergio Aguero actually overcomes COVID. So this could be the year that they do it. They're defending better than all of the other teams here in the Champions League this season. And they've always had a dangerous, dangerous attack. Now, there are better attacks than City in this competition. If you look at the likes of PSG, if you look 
look at the likes of um, Bayern Munich having an out-and-out goal scorer, but look at Bayern Munich's defence. They come into this um, come into this this week with a three-three draw against Armenia Bielefeld on Monday. This coming off the back of scraping to winning the the club World Cup. I know they didn't concede a goal when they won that competition last week, but they scraped to two 0 and one 0 victories over far inferior teams. There's just not something not right with that with, with Bayern Munich at the moment. It's very difficult to to see who they are. And I certainly wouldn't have them pegged as favourites. If you look further down the line, I don't think Liverpool have a chance. They shouldn't be sitting as third favourites. Uh, I think PSG may be in with a shout if they can get past this difficult tie. And as I'm picking them not to, that pretty much takes that pick out the window. Juve interesting at 12 to 1. Athletico 14 to 1 could do it. They've certainly got the um, the mentality and the style to win a Champions League because sometimes defence wins championships. That's not just applicable in the National Football League, that's applicable in, in the Champions League, it has been for a long time, it has been since the uh, arrival of Jose Mourinho and he won a competition, this competition with Porto uh, back in the early 2000s, but but yeah, I mean, they, they could do it, but I just think their sole focus has to be winning that the Liga title and obviously playing that home leg and a neutral field against Chelsea gives them no advantage whatsoever. Chelsea are interesting on the Ducal at 14 to 1. Barcelona at 14 to 1. I think their problem is going to be their defence. Real Madrid may be a different proposition when they get Ramos back, but they have a dangerous tie against Atalanta, who themselves are 33 to 1. I'm writing off Leipzig. I'm writing off Dortmund. Sevilla are a good dark horse at 40 to 1. And I'm writing off the rest, which is Gladbach, Lazio, and Porto. So that's pretty much my my rundown of the Champions League. For more in depth analysis, check out the podcast that I posted yesterday. Looking at the EPL games this week, by the way, if anybody wants to talk Champions League with me, just press the speaker request and we'll talk about the uh, these Champions League ties. We'll talk about the futures. We'll talk about anything that you want to talk about in relation to the Champions League. I know it's something that guys in the States have watched for a while. So just feel free to come on and chat about that if you want to. Looking at these EPL games this week, very, very interesting game between Burnley and Fulham, although I don't have Fulham as favourites like the books have. Yes, they're coming off a very, very good performance against Everton, and they are actually on a very, very solid run overall. It's been it's been very difficult, very difficult to beat this Fulham team. If we look at the record here, let me just bring it up because I'm, I'm just getting out of my Champions League notes. Obviously, this is a live podcast. When we do the take ones, it gives me a chance to pause, but we're not going to do that here. Uh, Fulham have lost just two of their last nine Premier League away games. And the Cottagers have drawn four times in their last five matches on the road. So this one, I think, could play out into a draw. Um, a draw with both teams scoring, as both teams have scored in four of Burnley's last seven Premier League home matches. And both teams have scored in each of Fulham's last five away assignments. Uh, sorry, I've notched in three of Fulham's last five assignments. Caught myself there because I know that both teams didn't score in their last game against Everton, where they won away by two goals to nil. It was a very, very bad result for Everton, which doesn't bode well for who they're playing this week, which is Manchester City. But in this particular game, I think that we could see a, a one-all draw here, which I think would suit Burnley. What they don't want to do is lose a six-pointer to Fulham and have Fulham make up the ground because it could it doesn't take much for Burnley, a Burnley, a Brighton, a Palace or a Newcastle to slip into this relegation race. But thankfully for those teams, it is only Fulham that look like they're getting out because I think West Brom and Sheffield United, I think they're resigned to relegation. As far as I'm concerned, those two teams are down, despite the fact that West Brom did get a draw against Manchester United at the weekend. Looking at the the other game here that's taking place in the Premier League this week, it is Everton versus Manchester City, where Everton are available at 17-2. to It's 14-1 to on the draw. 
And it's one to three on City. That's very, very short, but you can't really argue with it. One thing I will say is that Everton are very, very Jekyll and Hyde. So off the back of poor performances previously, they have come back and delivered a positive performance the next week. And they have done that consistently throughout the season. But Manchester City is a complete different kettle of fish, the way they're playing at the moment. And the whole league below Manchester City will be looking for Everton to do them a favour. But even if they did, are Leicester in the title race? Are Man United really in the title race? Are are Liverpool in the title race now? Are Chelsea in the title race? I think it's gone. I think just over the course of five or six games, incredibly, those teams underneath City, especially United and Liverpool, have been so poor that they just allowed Manchester City to coast here. Manchester City are in a big advantageous position in the Champions League because they have that situation that I always look for in a Champions League. A team that have already won their domestic league, that can rest players, that can put sole focus into the Champions League. Now, for Bayern Munich, they didn't really rest too many players. Well, they were too busy securing a 100% record in terms of, um, and, and a cup as well last year, en route to a treble last season. So they didn't really have to rest anyone. But usually in those situations, it's hugely beneficial to already have your league won. Uh, we saw PSG get to the final last year and the French league decided to not, not play any more games. They just wrapped up their league season without concluding the remainder of the games. And I think that was advantageous to PSG. And and I think City, if it continues to go this way, are going to have that massive advantage. Here, it's difficult to make a case for Everton to score without Dominic Calvert-Lewin, even though Everton did score a few goals without him in order to qualify against Tottenham. Here, you're coming up against a City team, obviously much defensively better than Spurs. They've kept nine clean sheets in their last 11 games. This Everton team have failed to score in three of their last four Premier League home games. And City come into this having won 16 in a row in all competitions. I don't think anybody could foresee that, given how inconsistent this Premier League season has been. People have been dropping points left, right and centre, and suddenly a team just turns up and wins 16 games in a row. And City have also won each of the last five Premier League away games. So it's very, very difficult to pick against them. And because it is Everton, who are a respected team here in the league, the City to nil trend, which has been crashing for people, is available at huge plus money here at seven to four. Um, I'm just going to continue riding it here. I've got a question here from Andrew and he asks, hey Billy, just wondering if you think the announcement of Marco Rose being hired by Dortmund will have an impact on the game tomorrow? Will the players show better effort trying to impress the new manager, even though he doesn't take over for a few months? Well, we we didn't see that necessarily happen um, for for Chelsea when 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 Tuchel took over and was sitting. He wasn't sitting in the stands. He decided to just um, occupy the bench for his first game. But we have seen a bounce since he took over the training, and I think the bounce really only counts. Once, um, once people are actually there physically watching at the training ground and watching the training. But I think on a week-to-week basis, the training isn't going to be at a, at a level where it will be under a new management because the manager's not picking the team. And this is really no different a situation to watching the players on TV as it would be to... As it would be to... Um, you know, watching them on TV as, as it would be to just be taking over as the manager because unless he's going to be there you know, overseeing training and, and turning up sporadically to the training round. I don't see how it will have any kind of an influence. In fact, if anything, it almost puts more more pressure on, on the caretaker because the caretaker would have been every... I mean, look, 
despite the fact that nobody acknowledges this, everybody that gets put into caretaker, a caretaker role at any club, they're looking to land the job. It's always a trial for them. And one of the biggest examples of that is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was never, ever considered to permanently land the Manchester United job. But the trial period was just so successful that Manchester United had to give him the job. Now, I think, if anything, there will be some deflation with the with the caretaker in terms of the announcement of a new manager, knowing that there is no upward trajectory here in terms of what can happen. So I don't know how the players will, will respond to that. I think when you're looking at this particular tie, it's not the Bundesliga season where I think the attitude of Dortmund is we can play however we want and we're still going to get into the top four. They're going to need to wake up if they want to be in the Champions League next season. And the Champions League, crazily, represents Dortmund's only opportunity of a trophy. So if they, these players have any pride, they will turn up here and show um, and show for the side and put in a performance and have a run in the Champions League. And we've got some top quality players here. We're looking at Hummels, we're looking at Royce, we're looking at Sancho, we're looking at Haaland who obviously signed for this club for just £20 million, And now he's a 100 to £150 million striker. So he's going to want to win the Champions League or he's going to want to go far in the Champions League. And if he doesn't, I'm sure it would be easy for them to get a whole bunch of money from a PSG, from a Man United, from a Real Madrid. Everybody wants Haaland. And um, Borussia Dortmund will find it difficult to keep hold of him if they exit the, the Champions League at this early last 16 stage. But as I said, it's a tough game because of the form that's severe in. I think a point for Borussia, sorry, not a point, a draw for Dortmund out of this game would be seen as a pretty decent result going into the home game where they will hope to take care of business. But Sevilla have some serious, serious European pedigree. So it'd be interesting to see Dortmund are an anomaly, really. I think other than playing the over or both teams to score in that one, I'm not really looking to have too much of a major part with it. So I think that will be um, that will be something to look out for over the next few weeks. Let's have a look here at the Europa League. Now, I cover the Europa League over at my website, lockbetting.com. I've got Eric Sontag here. Um, Liverpool versus Leipzig. The recent dates, this is school data, suggests the over. But I could see Liverpool with their recent struggles trying to tighten it up and make it a cagey game in this neutral environment. Scrap out a low-scoring draw or a 1-0 win and then get their shit together back at home in the second leg. What do you think? Well, I think I said the same as you, mate. Um, yesterday on the podcast, um, I said that I like the under three here. It's 10 to 11 on the over three and 10 to 11 on the under three. This is the Asian goal line that's available. And I don't see a, a free scoring game here. Liverpool have been struggling to score. This is a first leg. First legs are notoriously cagey. I think even for Leipzig on this neutral field, a draw isn't the worst result because, especially if you consider this particular time, because Anfield isn't the Anfield that it was just a few weeks ago. And that sounds like a crazy statement. It's like, what are you talking about, idiot? Like, it's the same place, it's the same players. Well, look at the results. Like, once the once the aura goes, then all of a sudden it does become a different place. When, you, when you're Leipzig and you're looking at Brighton and Burnley going to win there, take the City result out of it. When you're looking at Brighton and Burnley winning there, how scared are you going to be of this team? Whereas previously whether it's fans or no fans there, when you're going to a team that haven't lost at home for nearly four years, there is going to be a fear factor. There is going to be a desperation to get this done in the first leg. 
I don't think that's going to be there. I think as long as Leipzig don't lose this game, I think that they can have a, they have a chance of getting something at Anfield and and going through in the second leg. So especially if they can score goals there, if Leipzig can go to Anfield and, and get an away goal, and if there is a low scoring game here, that certainly puts them in with a chance. So I don't think they have anything to fear when it comes to either leg. So I think this is going to be a no lose situation. A draw suits both as far as I'm concerned, and then that puts it into the cagey stalemate, stalemate category. And look, if it hits three, then you push on three. I just don't think it's going to hit four. I just don't see there being four goals in this game. And yeah, the data does support that there will be because Liverpool have been so defensively poor. But what kind of manager would Nagelsmann be or or Klopp be if all of a sudden we just approached that and nobody nobody managed to... um, to, to implement tactics that catered for what the other team does. If Nagelsmann just looks at this and goes, oh, this team is shit defensively at the moment, let's just attack them. Well, you're going to leave spaces at the back for, for Liverpool to, 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 to take advantage of the gaps because that's what Liverpool can do because you know they're going to have enough players up there to, to do damage. And at the same time, if um, Liverpool just approach this game and say, we're shit defensively, we're just going to push everybody high up the pitch and try and score as many goals as we can because we know we're going to concede. Well, then you're going to leave ample gaps for Leipzig as well and they're going to be able to take advantage of them with the players that they have in their squad. So I think both teams will be aware of the strengths and the weaknesses of the two. Liverpool have the slight attacking edge, but Leipzig certainly are defensively better. Otherwise, Upper Meccano wouldn't have just signed for Bayern Munich for a massive transfer fee. So... I, I think you're onto onto uh, a good point there. It's exactly what I said when I covered this game yesterday in the podcast. It does it does point to an over, but sometimes you have to um, to do some statist- uh, some situational analysis as opposed to blindly following the statistical analysis, which is kind of a an Americanized approach to, to betting. I think with soccer, you have to watch it, you have to know it, you have to understand it, you have to be into it in order to to profit from gambling on this sport. And even I have struggled, admittedly, over the last six weeks because some crazy shit has been happening. I mean, even looking at the um, looking at Monday, I took a uh, I took an in play on Bayern Munich at two 0 down, and at at seventy minutes when they pulled back to three three, it looked like a complete automatic that they were going to win, and that wasn't the case. A three all draw in the end uh, with Armenia Billerfield and. Um, this was a Bayern Munich team coming up against a, a low-scoring Billerfield team off the back of keeping two clean sheets in the World Cup. So you're thinking that Bayern Munich just turn up here on this Monday night, celebrate off the back of winning the Club World Cup and win this game 3 or 4-0. That wasn't the case. And that is just soccer in a nutshell at the moment. And uh, even take that a day back and look at Manchester United not being able to beat West Brom away from home, uh, drawing one all against West Brom, a team that concede a ton of goals and Manchester United's attack could only put one past them. We talk about Manu next as we are going to be moving on to the Europa League. Um, if you guys want to actually talk, then press the speaker request and I'll have you on to talk as opposed to just typing your questions out at the bottom. If you just prefer to type, you can do it that way. No problem at all. Um, United are the second favourites here for the Europa League and the favourites are Tottenham. I don't understand that at all. How are you making this Tottenham team favourites, especially given their current run of form? I think the only way you do that is if the bookies are, are trying to be super smart here and almost outthinking themselves and thinking that Tottenham 
to have Leicester play for than Manchester United and perhaps prioritise this because it's Mourinho's best route into the Champions League, given Tottenham's league position is now ninth in the league, which is insane when you consider a couple of months ago they were top. They've now dropped all the way to ninth. They've had a massive dip in form. And now this does represent their best chance of a Champions of a Champions League route, whereas the League Cup against Manchester City probably represents their best uh, opportunity of a trophy. But when you look at how easily they were battered at the weekend, it probably doesn't. So it's going to be Europa League and bust or bust. And when you're looking at the rest of the teams down here, perhaps Mourinho does fancy his chances against them. They've beaten Man United 6-1 already this season. And um, Man United here are six to one second favourites. Milan are a team who are interesting. I think for them, it will be depend upon how how they approach this, whether they go out with a full team or whether they don't. They're nine to one here. Arsenal available at ten to one. Arsenal are a weird one because we saw what they did in the cup competition last year, winning the FA Cup, beating Chelsea, beating Manchester City en route to winning that. So they could be a dangerous team here. Leicester as well. Uh, They're looking at the FA Cup this season. They're looking at the top four. Perhaps they have a lot of split priorities as well. Napoli just on the peripherals of a title race. They're both at 12 to 1. Ajax interesting at 14 to 1. They did well in the Champions League a couple of years ago. So um, they're always a team that are breeding players. They they, they make players, they sell players, they get a load of money, they make more players. And uh, you can always count on Ajax to make a run at it with the players they have. Bayer Leverkusen are interesting. They were top of the German League just before uh, and then lost that just before Christmas when they had the first defeat of the season. They came out trash uh, after the winter break. They have improved as of late. They won the Europa League group very, very easily. And they could be an interesting look here at 16 to 1. Further down, we look at Roma. They're the same price as Benfica. I don't agree with that because Roma have looked very, very good in Serie A this season. They're just a couple of players short of challenging for the title. Sociedad down here at 25 to 1, but that price will change drastically if they knock Manchester United out of the Europa League. The only disadvantage is that, that they have is that they have to play their home game on a neutral field. Even Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has come out and said, if you're playing a game in neutral field, why are you bothering with the second legs? Which is an interesting point, given the ridiculous schedules that these teams have. Uh, one more I'll look at here is Hoffenheim at 28-1. to 1. They've shown that they can beat Bayern Munich on their day, so they could be a dark horse here. Just to go one further down, actually, Lille at 40-1. to 1. They're currently top of the French League, so they could be a dark horse here in this competition. But for me, realistically... I think you do have to be looking at the English clubs. Hold on, I have a I have a call coming through. Hey, dude, just uh, introduce yourself. yourself. Hey, hey, Billy, what's going on, man? Uh, what's up, guys? My name is Ajit. I'm my uh, patron of Billy's Lock Betting. Coming off a good night yesterday with basketball and some uh, tennis action we had. Sounds like, Billy, it sounds like you fully recovered from COVID, huh? I have little niggly, little niggly, niggly, niggly things, things, but yeah, pretty but much yeah, recovered. Okay, good, good. That's uh, good you, could, could, you, could you just, um, could you just turn me down in the background so I can hear myself? Yeah, 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 sorry. Um, okay, yeah, so quick question. I wanted to talk to you about United's chance with Europa. So given that, you know, we're still in three competitions, you can kind of say the Premier League is kind of, uh, kind of, kind of, kind of a wash, you could say, but given that we're still in the FA Cup and the... Um, uh, Europa League, what do you think they're going to prioritize? Either looks like we should be finishing top four of the league, you know, fingers crossed, but given that in the Europa League, what do you think uh, uh, Solskjaer is going to prefer, to either win the, uh, the Europa League or um, win the FA Cup and already get a top four spot with, within the Prem to get the Champions League? <clears throat> Unfortunately... Unfortunately. 
I, I don't think I, we're I don't in think a situation in where we can prioritise now because what's happened here is, is that um, we, we, we should have been challenging for, for the league. And had we had been challenging for the league, our top spot, our top four spot would have been completely secure. And uh, what we've done is we've allowed everybody else to, to come up from behind us. So rather than us getting ourselves into a title race, which would have made the top four more comfortable, yeah, okay, maybe we would have lost, maybe we would have lost out to Manchester City, but we didn't have to worry about Leicester, we didn't have to worry about Chelsea, we didn't have to worry about even West Ham or Tottenham or whoever coming up from behind. Now, what, what, what's happening to the Premier League is Manchester City look like they've won, and we look like we're in a little mini-league with Leicester, Liverpool, Chelsea and maybe Tottenham and I didn't want to be in that mini league I wanted to be in a title race and that means that the Europa League would have pretty much been rendered irrelevant and obviously the FA Cup is the FA Cup um, it's just one game so there's no reason not to put focus on it but our FA Cup game is very very tough now we're not in a position where we can't take the Europa League seriously because if our league form dips and we end up finishing fifth and we go out of the FA Cup to Leicester all of these things well not the Leicester thing necessarily but coming fifth in the league doesn't look likely but if we continue on this run that we've had at the moment with with the with how we've played over the last six games we will drop out of the top four because Chelsea don't look like the same team now under Tuchel and we are dropping more points than Leicester Leicester have been more consistent than Man United as of late and Liverpool cannot continue to be this poor so I, I don't think that Liverpool are going to be this far out of the top four come the end of the season and or they I don't think their form is going to continue. We cannot rely on Liverpool being as bad as they are, Tottenham being as bad as they are, and just thinking that, okay, we may drop below Chelsea and Leicester, but we're still going to be okay because Tottenham and Liverpool are trash. Because Man United are equally trash at the moment. Nobody's talking about the fact that over the last six games, do you know that Liverpool and Man United have got exactly the same number of points? But, What's that? But Liverpool, Say that again? Over the last six games, Liverpool and Man U have the same amount of points. Yeah, yeah. And, and, the, and the narrative is totally different. We're, we're talking, people are talking about how Man United have, have dropped out of the title race and City have been really good and Man United have dropped silly points. Whereas at Liverpool, they're talking about a massive crisis, a big overhaul, will Jürgen Klopp resign? It's totally different the way it's being covered. And, and that's unusual because usually the press want to absolutely kill Manchester United. And, and in this instance, Liverpool's the bigger story because it's such a massive decline. Whereas Man United, you know, they've been Jekyll and Hyde up and down throughout the years they're almost used to it it's almost the way Manchester United are whereas Liverpool they've been the Premier League winners with, with almost a record points total they've been the Champions League winners the year before for them to be this bad it is a bigger story than Man United being bad over a six game period but the, the, the point is here is that our top four status isn't guaranteed and we 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 could have um, we could have we could have guaranteed that by being in the title race and it would have put a lot less pressure on the Europa League I don't think Solskjaer can afford to take this game lightly tomorrow I, I don't necessarily agree with I don't know if you've seen it how strong favourites Man United are tomorrow at even money uh, just to win this second leg Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I don't agree with that. Um, I mean, Sociedad are a team that can play. They made a very, very good start to the season. They have a massive drop-off, and they did do that last year as well. They looked like that they were going to comfortably qualify for the top four, and they had a massive drop-off. But, you know, if there's one game that they're going to get up for, it's going to be playing Manchester United. And, um, yeah, I, I don't think this is necessarily priced up. Should we be favourites? Probably, because it's a neutral field. But I'm not sure if we should be even-money favourites. I think if we get a draw there tomorrow... 
and take that draw back to Old Trafford, I think that will do us. But we have so many important games coming up, and Manchester Derby's coming up soon. Um, we have the game against Leicester. I'm looking at who we've got the weekend. Um, where is it? No, Newcastle at home. Yeah, that. I mean... That's that's, that's a game, game that a, game a few weeks ago, weeks when we were when we were top of the league, you would just tick that off as an automatic win. But after the game against Sheffield United and West Brom, we we don't have any automatic wins at the moment. So I'm I'm a bit concerned about things. Are, are you are you concerned about anything in terms of um, any personnel and how they're playing? Because for me, despite the fact he scored scored a goal at the weekend, I don't think Bruno's been the same player over the last six games, and I just don't think Maguire and Lindelof works. I just yeah, I, I think with like I think together. with Pogba sideline now, I think it's kind of kind of hard because like if you look at the past like pretty much the whole year, the team sheet definitely involved Pogba and like not not towards the beginning of the year so much, but definitely as of late, Pogba's been heavily involved. So like the link up between Bruno and Pogba was like almost was it was it was too good to be true, honestly. And now that you know he's gone, I feel like the chemistry is kind of struggling. Who's who's playing now in there? Fred and uh, uh, McTominay. McTominay, yeah. Yeah, so, like, yeah, McTominay's good. He's been having some awesome, uh, you know, some clutch goals for us, but let's see. Uh, but I think, yeah, this, we, have a, we have a shit ton of games lined up, I think, right? There's, like, six or seven games this month, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this, this, this month is always, was always going to be hefty, and that's the thing. When I looked at us being able to win the league, I was looking at how long De Bruyne, De Bruyne was going to be out, and that, and that gave me a lot of hope because De Bruyne was going to miss 10 games. And yeah, but it's like they, didn't even, they don't even need him there right now, you know what I mean? Gundogan is, is popping off right now, it's insane. Exactly, and that's it. You looked at the schedule and you saw that, wow, they're going to play Tottenham, they're going to play Liverpool, they're going to play Arsenal, they're going to play Man United. De Bruyne is going to miss all of these games. And as a Man United fan, you looked at it and thought, we have a real chance of winning the league because Kevin De Bruyne is out for 10 games. It hasn't made any difference at all. In fact, De Bruyne is going to be back in, in three weeks and Sergio Aguero is in the, in the Champions League, uh, sorry, in the squad to face Everton tomorrow. So I don't think he's, I don't think he's going to play, but that's concerning because... On his day, on his that, day that, that is the that is the one of the best three goal scorers in Europe. Um, looking at these outright markets that I ran through, um, are you are you worried about anyone in the Europa League? Do you feel that if we applied ourselves uh, this year, there isn't an Inter Milan, there isn't a Sevilla? Um, who who would you worry about here? Probably one of the more uh, Premier League teams. Honestly, I would worry about Leicester for sure. Worry about Leicester because they have the same incentives and uh, as as us uh, essentially. And uh, Arsenal, I'm not too worried about Arsenal, but they could make some noise if they get past. I'm not sure where they're playing right now. Now Tottenham's playing Wolfsburger, but I think I, that I think that might be tight. But I think we would, should be more worried about any the uh, the Premier League teams that are in there because which uh, I'm not sure which of the German or Bayer Leverkusen in there, but I don't think we should be too worried. Um, Sevilla, so Sevilla's in the Champions League, but I'm not. Yeah, I. I don't know, unless there's another Spanish team or a uh, French team, really, who dropped from the Champions League. I don't think we should be really worried, but you never know with, uh, you know, especially Man United and these uh, British teams, the home and away, it sometimes get them. So we'll see. Yeah, I think Tottenham have been installed as favourites because they, against um, Pellets, RZ Pellets, there's no way that they can go out, I don't think, in this round. Um, I think Milan, Milan going away to Red Star Belgrade, that'll be tough, but when they come home, they should comfortably go through. Uh, Leverkusen have been given a nice ticket through against Young Boys. So, yeah, in regards to looking at these teams, um, they do look like they're, they're going to go automatically through. I, I mean, for me, I'm worried. I think Roma are too big here in this competition. 
okay. uh, the way okay. they're playing the league. Uh, I think yeah. once Milan, once once Milan um, drift out, drift away, and Inter start to pull clear, which I think they will do because they're easily. Uh, the better team out of the two Milan teams in in the uh, in the Serie A, I think then they may shift focus here. So um, yeah, I do think there are some dangerous teams aside from the Premier League teams. I just don't think the Spurs are are a worthy favourite, um, unless of course uh, this does become a priority for them, and then we do start seeing Son and Kane playing in this competition. But I don't think we're going to see Son and Kane in the first leg against RZ Pellets this week. I think it would just be very very interesting to see what Oli does, whether he's going to play Bruno in this competition, if we're going to see um, Cavani or whether we're going to see Greenwood, how, how he's going to play the, play the team here, uh, especially with Newcastle ahead at the weekend, because you'd expect us to be able to win that game and to put everything into the sauce in that game. But I don't know, you just can't, this, we, are the, we are the team where you just cannot give us automatic wins. Yeah. Yeah, man. Ever since, I've only started following United since 2013, honestly, kind of a bad time to just, <laughs> follow but uh ever ever since then that's like my that's like my kid my kid just walked <laughs> my, my, my kid was born 2011 and he's he's been following man united he's like how did we ever win stuff like why did you why did you support this team but i think through through through, through school through school college and university like it was awesome like just winning everything and then obviously as you're older like going out to bars and watching yourselves win titles and champions league it was it was good fun but yeah I mean, this, is a, this is a this is a rough patch for green for me with green bay and um and man united yeah no nah, i feel you man uh all right man it was good talking man i'm gonna I have to I have to get going Thank you. Thanks for popping on, Jess. No doubt, man. All right, so we'll we'll we'll, we'll leave it there, and um, I'll let you know what, what's coming up for the for the rest of the week. So the Europa League show that I do is exclusive to LockBetting.com. You can get that on the podcast pack. That's just fifteen dollars a month, and you get all of the podcasts that I do, including the European show. The European show comes out at the weekend. Uh, if you get, you can get that for just uh, on the ten dollar pack, which works out to two dollars fifty a show. And I know some guys who sell their locks for fifty to seventy dollars. Well, I've lost one lock since the start of December on that show, and I won again at the weekend. On weekend, I'm on an eleven and run lock run over on that European show. So if you want to go over there, get that, get my Europa League show. It's over at LockBen.com. My Europa League and Champions League locks over at LockBen.com. We're nineteen and three for the beginning part of the Champions League and the Europa League. And we landed over 15 units in futures. And I'll be posting out my futures plays and picks shortly. So you still have time to get those over at lockben.com. My Champions League shows are available on the Soccer Gambling podcast feed. That is the... Um, the, the, the show that breaks down in 90-minute games. Plus, there's a separate future show as well. At the weekend, I will be returning with Das Bundesliga show and another edition of the EPL show as well. But that's it for me in this show here, live on Locker Room, simulcasting on the Soccer Gambling Podcast. Good luck with all your bets as always, and thanks for listening.